Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. We're going to talk about a very important subject in our first half hour. We're talking about how late-stage and terminal cancer patients can beat the odds. It's possible, and we have a book written about it by Rick Shapiro. The book is Hope Never Dies, How 20 Late-Stage and Terminal Cancer Patients Have Beat the Odds. And there are questions in here, 83 critical questions in this book to ask before hiring your cancer doctor. Remember that word, hiring your cancer doctor. And it's interviews with renowned cancer specialists as well. My guest is Rick Shapiro, who is a former practicing attorney, a leading consultant, researcher, and educator in the field of safe, evidence-based, integrative, and alternative cancer treatments. He is a passionate and tireless advocate who continually seeks to educate the public about proven medical remedies that saves lives. He's a member of numerous cancer associations and an active board member of the Annie Appleseed Project, a nonprofit organization that educates people about personalized, integrative, and innovative science-based cancer therapies. You can log on to HopeNeverDies.com. Welcome, Rick. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah. Wow. I mean, pretty powerful. Why did you write this book? On March 29th, 1996, my father died of cancer. It was it was a tough time. Uh, I, I held my dad in the highest highest esteem as, as a as a human being and as a father. I, I didn't. Uh, I, I still remember that that day when the doctor came up to me and said, "Your dad is terminal." And I knew nothing about cancer until it hit my family. And mm-hmm. as my dad my dad passed away six weeks later. I wondered if there were other options out there. I wondered why some people. Because you would hear things anecdotally, why some people survive cancer 10, 15, 20 years after a so-called terminal prognosis. Was mm. it luck? Were there rational reasons? What were the reasons? Were there any common denominators as to why it happened? And it just stuck with me because cancer is such a killer in this country. It's, in fact, it's about to overtake heart disease as a number one killer in the next year mm. or two. I just wondered if there were other options beyond the strict standard of care that could help people survive and thrive past their so-called expiration dates, short-term mm-hmm. prognoses, basically. Mm. And so you must have gone on a quest. You must have definitely gone on a quest to find that. So how did you find the people? How did you find the evidence? That's the question. Well, regarding the quest and finding the people, at first, you have to be careful with the Internet because there's some great information on the Internet. There's also information on the Internet, which is not always accurate. So I I did look around the Internet, and as a former practicing attorney, I I try to put my analytical skills to test and, and ask lots of questions. I, had, I read 100 books for, regarding conventional cancer, integrative cancer care, alternative cancer care. And then about seven, eight years ago, I went to a cancer conference in Florida. I went with open-minded skepticism. And I wanted to learn from this particular campus, integrative arena, what their perspectives were and why they were supposedly saving lives. Well, I've now been to 23 cancer conferences nationwide, uh, 
and uh, from, from California to Florida and everywhere in between, uh, asking questions and meeting people and meeting some of the most renowned icons in this arena. Mm-hmm. At these cancer conferences, at many of them, I would meet people who were in remission and wanted to make sure their cancer stayed in remission. I met people and continue to meet people whose cancer is progressing, and this is all kinds of cancer, and they are looking for options to stop or control their cancer. And many of these people have been told by major cancer centers in this country, get your affairs in order. I'm sorry, there's Mm -hmm. nothing more that we can do. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, you've got three weeks to six weeks, three months to six months, six months to nine months. And this concerns all cancers across the board. So in in talking to people throughout the United States, face-to-face, I found that there were common denominators between them as to why they are here many years later. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been a remarkable road, a fascinating road as to uh, what has happened and why they are surviving and what's going on with uh, these cases. My My question, Rick, is do you think a large part of it, not all of it, but a large part of the people who survive is because of their attitude and the way they think. How much of it is that? A cornerstone of those who survive and thrive many years past their so-called expiration dates is attitude. It is a cornerstone. It is not the end all, but if you, let's face it, realistically, when someone's told they have a dire and serious cancer situation, people go into an anxiety-ridden, high-stressful attitude. They they see their mortality flash before their eyes. They think, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. But within a few days, maybe a week or two weeks later, it's really important to marshal up that inner resolve. It's Mm -hmm. important to say, you know what, maybe there are other options out there. We don't want Mm -hmm. want fear to direct how we go forward in fighting this daunting disease. So yes, attitude is extremely important as a cornerstone to going forward. Because if you, have an, if you have a fatalistic attitude, a defeatist attitude, usually the outcome's not good. But at least if you have that no-quit attitude, and I found that as prevalent across the board with all of these people, that is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. What about alternative treatments? What about meditation? What about healers? What about, um, and what about supplements and sort of non-prescription uh, things? What about all that? Sure. I, yeah, that's, that's a very, very big topic and, and uh, very important topic. R- regarding, let's talk about that generally and then we get more specific. Regarding alternative therapies, non-standard of care. Standard of care, to be distinguished, is generally chemo, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and surgery. Right. Other things are considered alternative uh, or complementary. Now, those are standard of care. There's no specific standard of care in the alternative world, which is a little bit challenging because some people say, gee, I tried alternative. Well, what, did that, what does that mean when they say they tried alternative? There's so many different alternative treatments and therapies. For example, we just talked about uh, having a good attitude. Well, that's related to mind-body strategies. <clears throat> you want to reduce stress, anxiety, situational depression. So it's, it's really important to get your arms around that because if you have a weakened immune system, and you can have a weakened immune system if you have a, a very negative attitude about things, if, if you have hold on to high stress, that's not a good place to start. So having a strong mind-body, whether it's laughter, humor, prayer, 
relaxation exercises, that's really very critical to have to be able to fight, to fight cancer. So that's number one. Number two, nutrition. A lot of people say, well, I eat healthy. Well, most people do not eat healthy. Most people have the standard American diet, SAD, standard American diet, which is pretty sad. So nutritional oncology strategies is critical. That doesn't mean just eat your broccoli mm-hmm. on Tuesdays and Thursdays and right. wild salmon on Fridays. It goes much deeper. There's a deep science there as to what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, which can impact your body at the cellular level. Yeah, and it's individual, right? It's individual for individual people, right? I mean, two people with the same thing. Personalized. Right. Absolutely. It's not generic. Too often, conventional medicine goes at cancer in a very generic fashion. They look at people as that person is a breast cancer person. That person is a pancreatic cancer person. That person is an ovarian cancer person. No, they are a person who happens to have breast cancer or pancreatic cancer. And you can have two people, let's say breast cancer, for example, and they may have the same breast cancer, but they can have different mutations. One person may have high inflammation inside their body. The other might not. One may have what's called lots of viscous blood or thick blood, which is called... um, which can be very damaging to their health. So how you approach this with nutrition, deep science nutrition, is critical. You mentioned supplements as well. Supplements get a bad rap too frequently. People say, well, it's unproven. Well, there are supplements that are evidence-proven based on deep science, peer-reviewed studies, and you can find them at pubmed.gov. P-U-B-M-E-D.gov has 27 million studies. It's the online um, depository, which is run by the National Institute of Health, 27 million studies, global studies. If you put hypothetically the word in green tea cancer, curcumin cancer, right. exercise cancer, you will find thousands of studies that are peer-reviewed that support the notion very strongly that there's correlation between these supplements and these alternative therapies to enhancing the immune system and fighting cancer directly and supporting the host, meaning the human being. So you've got nutritional therapies, mind-body therapies, exercise is important. Whether you're in a wheelchair or you're ambulatory, and you can move and you can still function very well, exercise is very important to alleviate, alleviate anxiety and stress, to in- increase the flow of oxygen-rich blood to tissues, to stop the decline of muscle mass, which can happen frequently with cancer patients. So those things are very important. Supplementation. Certain types of botanicals, certain types of vitamins, certain types of extracts. I think that the the confusing part, and we've got a couple minutes to break and then we'll come back, but I think the confusing part is, you know, where do you go and, and what's right for you? And so do you go to an herbalist? Do you go to a naturopath? Do you go to an acupuncturist? Do you go to a chiropractor? Do you go to a physical therapist? I mean, do you go to all of them? Who do you do? You go to an MD who studies cancer. I mean, what? Great, great question. Because we're talking about a multifaceted therapeutic approach exactly. here, a variety of things, and and it has to be brought to bear and implemented with experts. And right. it, sometimes people don't know if someone's a charlatan a fake, or a true expert in this advanced, these advanced medical protocols. So yes, there are integrative medical doctors out there. There are integrative oncologists out there. Those are good people to find. Additionally, there are naturopathic doctors who are experts in con- oncology medicine. There are associations, 
highly credentialed. I went to a, a conference a couple of years ago, and I went with a little skepticism, and I came away wowed. I was shocked at the incredible knowledge of these naturopathic doctors who specialize in oncology. There are certain people who are experts, as you mentioned, in, in herbs and botanical medicine yes. and in, in yes. other things, in nutritional oncology. Right. So sometimes it takes a team that you have mm-hmm. to put together. But it takes, it takes some research, and, and you shouldn't be shy. For example, you mentioned in the introduction, part three of the book talks about critical questions to ask. You need to question the assumptions upon which doctors rely on. And mm-hmm. ask to talk to their patients. Ask to talk. Mm-hmm. You need to find people who've got, had great success, because there's much to learn about people who beat the odds when they're not supposed to. All right, we're going to take like a break on that note. We're going to take a note on that note, and then we're going to talk more to Rick Shapiro. Um, He chronicles the two compelling stories of 20 people who have beaten the odds, whom are living 5, 10, and 20 years plus after receiving devastating, shocking, terminal cancer prognoses. And most of these survivors are not just surviving, but they're thriving. They've confounded their mainstream doctors. We're going to talk more to Rick Shapiro uh, right after the break. And Rick Shapiro is a former practicing attorney, a leading consultant, researcher, and educator in the field of safe, evidence-based, integrative, and alternative cancer treatments. The book is Hope Never Dies, and the website is hopeneverdies.com. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories, too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You 
are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. Uh, This is such an amazing book. We're talking about the book Hope Never Dies. How 20 Late-Stage and Terminal Cancer Patients Beat the Odds, with Rick Shapiro, who's a former practicing attorney, a leading consultant, researcher, and educator in the field of safe, evidence-based, and integrative and alternative cancer treatments. He is passionate and a tireless advocate who continually seeks to educate the public about proven medical remedies that saves lives. He's an active board member of the Annie Appleseed Project, which is a nonprofit organization that educates people about personalized, integrative, and innovative science-based cancer therapies. The website is hopeneverdies.com. Really take a look at this, folks. It's very important work. Welcome back, Rick. All right, let's talk about the big C word beside cancer, and that's chemotherapy. Now, that's misunderstood. You know, when I hear the word and when most people hear the word chemotherapy, you think, ah, it's worse than than the disease. You're going to get sick. You're going to get weak. Talk about chemotherapy and the alternatives within that realm. Great, great point. Chemotherapy, obviously, is, is a word we all hear as soon as somebody gets cancer. And frequently, chemotherapy is a mainstream therapy, the mainstream therapy that's used to fight cancer. However, there are different aspects of chemotherapy. And I believe, for example, when it comes to chemotherapy, most doctors go and look at what I'll call like the bookshelf and say, okay, for pancreatic cancer, we use this type of chemo. For HER2 new breast cancer, we use this type of chemo. For um, lung cancer, we use that type of chemo. But that's not fine-tuned enough. There are Two doctors in this country, in fact, that have a chemosensitivity test that is different than all of the other doctors in the United States. And I have talked to doctors literally in Europe who said that these two guys are the best in the world. They have what's called a functional profile test. Mm. And they actually take a tissue sample from the individual, a one-gram sample of the, from the individual, and test that particular malignancy that tumor sample against 12 to 16 types of chemotherapy, some are singular drugs, some are a combination of several types of drugs. So, for example, and I've sent numbers of cancer patients to these people. For example, you might have an individual, in fact, there's, there's one in the book, Elizabeth Pankey, who had ovarian cancer in 1999 in October. She was told, and she went to all the major cancer centers in this country, and Elizabeth Pankey is an MD and a PhD herself. She went to all the cancer centers across the country and was told in October of 99, lady, we don't believe you're going to make it till Christmas, two months. She was 49 years old at the time. She did not quit. She found Dr. Nagurney, he's in the book, uh, wrote a chapter, and flew to California. And to make a long story short, he tested her tissue sample against 16 types of chemo and found a particular combination that had nothing to do at the time with ovarian cancer. And rumors of her demise were greatly exaggerated. This is 2017. Elizabeth mm-hmm. is retired and doing fantastically well. That's just one example. So the, chem- the type of chemo you get is critically important, and there are chemosensitivity tests that can indicate the best path. In terms of distribution, 
there's gen- general distribution of chemotherapy, and there's something called metronomic methodologies. Metronomic means much lower doses given more often for a longer period of time. But with lower doses, the toxic effects are mitigated tremendously. And that's another, that's an area of distribution that needs to be explored more. But lots of doctors who I've talked to in the integrative world have had tremendous success with that method of distribution. And thirdly, toxicity is something we're always so scared of. And I saw what cancer did to my father. He went through one cycle of chemotherapy, and I won't describe in the air, it was so horrific. But mm-hmm. there are ways to mitigate toxicity. For example, Dr. Walter Longo at the University of Southern California Medical School believes and has a mountain full of evidence that the concept of fasting, fasting a day before, fasting a day of, and fasting the day after you have chemotherapy, if your body can handle that. Now, fasting doesn't mean uh, not having any food or, or liquid at all. You can have water. You can have light tea. But fasting seems to put the healthy cells into a state of dormancy, but Mm -hmm. cancer cells cannot go into dormancy, so they're vulnerable. So you're protecting the healthy cells and the healthy tissues. Also, there's evidence that acupuncture immediately after chemotherapy mitigates toxicity. And thirdly, there are certain botanicals, vitamins, and extracts given in certain doses right around the time that you get chemotherapy. They can also mitigate toxicity tremendously. So the right type of tests and distribution methodology and ways to mitigate toxicity can be helpful because in some cases, I actually believe chemotherapy is necessary, especially if you have a very, very fast-growing cancer mm-hmm. or a cancer that might be blocking uh, an organ from doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's given a little too frequently and a little too early in the process. Uh, the other therapeutic yeah. uh, treatments and therapies we talked about are absolutely critical in my mind to have a systemic, comprehensive approach. One of the things you said, uh, Rick, which I think is really important, and and which I would do, uh, is the team approach. Where you have the MD, you have, you know, the very traditional medical doctor, and then you have more of the alternatives. So you have everybody on the same page. Do you agree with that? Yes. Now, the key there is, yes, it, it's critical you have a team approach. You need to have an oncologist, though, that buys into that and accepts that team approach. Yes. Because some oncologists, yes. unfortunately, are rigid and, and dogmatic in their approach, and they will not work with anyone else. Some are open-minded and some are progressive. So you need to find those individuals uh, who will be open-minded to other complementary therapies because mm-hmm. both can be profoundly critical and transformational to the healing process and to superior outcomes compared to just strict standard of care. The comprehensive approach can be a great way to go. Mm-hmm. And so um, is the research changing? I mean, are, are they all integrative and the alternative cancer treatments the same as they were five or 10 years ago, or is it changing? It's incrementally very, very slow to change. A lot of your cancer centers now have integrative departments, but I'll be very candid with you. I think a lot of that's a branding play, and the public is, have, is demanding more integrative and complementary therapies, but it's not true, comprehensive, systemic therapy based on objective criteria. When I say objective diagnostic criteria, I mean looking again at the individual with lots of different testing criteria. So it's personalized. A lot of your integrative approaches today 
in the major cancer centers would, would state, go down the hall to get a massage or go down the hall to get a little acupuncture or we can give you a little more vitamin D3. But they're not systemic. It's very slow to change. However, I, I should say one thing. There are immunological therapies that are now coming to bear into the marketplace, the cancer marketplace, if you will. And finally, conventional cancers, realizing that the immune system has something to do with much greater survival. And these therapies in the immunological age, we're at the dawn of that age. It's very, very early, but I'm glad they're recognizing the immune system does play and can play a major, profound approach in helping eradicate cancer, controlling cancer, slowing its progression. Um, But we have a long way to go in that arena. All right. We have just a few minutes left. So tell us, give us, um, you gave us one, but another inspirational story. And then your message, Rick, your message for us. But kind of tie it into an inspirational story. Sure. Um, Boy, all 20, I think, are incredibly inspirational. I'll give you one here. Janet Summer. Janet was a nurse. She, she was a nurse. She's now retired. And back in 1995, she had metastatic lung cancer to both lungs. The, it had spread to the pancreas, the stomach, and the liver. She was told by a large cancer center in the state of Ohio that she had three to six weeks to live. Mm. <clears throat> she had one dose of chemo, but that just wreaked absolute havoc on her body. She was a slim gal to begin with. She was about five, she's about five foot six, 114 pounds, and she went down to 72 pounds in three weeks. Mm. She lost over mm. 40 pounds in three weeks. And direct quote from her, I remember her saying, quote, I look like a concentration camp survivor, mm. her words. She was in hospice care for over one year. Her conventional doctor said to her, why don't you try something alternative? Her response was, I can't. Alternative is mere nonsense, and it's for hippies. Those are the words she used. Wow. Reluctantly, she, she, went, she made a change. She actually found a macrobiotic diet yep. counselor. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen people. I want to tell you that I've seen people healed from macrobiotic diets. I just want to add that in my work. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So she, yeah. she found this individual, and she had an incredible support staff. Having great social support is important, important to cancer uh, patients yeah. as well. She had eight women who just loved the heck out of her and made her uh, this newfound diet every single day, yeah. three meals a day for the next year. She came back slowly, but she came back and she came back. She was in a wheelchair at one point on oxygen, and now she is doing fantastically well. That was in 1995. She is living life and loving life with her new husband uh, and and doing unbelievably well. You know, she she, said one of her, yeah, it, it, it was, that's just one example of many. And one of the words she said at the end of her chapter was, never give up, never give up. Give up. And she right. said, and, I thank God every morning for the new day before my feet hit the floor. Yeah. So, I have, uh, I have to counselor. tell you that when I was doing interviews in the 80s, now we're going back a long time, there were people that were being healed by eating this way with, with macrobiotic diets. I remember it. It was very unconventional then, Rick. I mean, you know, yes. you kind of didn't even talk about it. The people were getting better. It, yes. I mean, nu- nutrition is 
core component, a core component and foundational, just like mind, mind, body, and attitude. Yeah. It is critical. People, there's something we all do on this earth every single day. Right. What you put in your right. bodies right. affects your cells. Affects Absolutely. Everything. All right, we're going to have to close. I mean, it was fascinating, and we'll have to have you come back. The book is Hope Never Dies, How 20 Late Stage and Terminal Cancer Patients Beat the Odds by Rick Shapiro. He has exclusive interviews with five renowned cancer specialists. And the book and the, the website is hopeneverdies.com. Rick, thanks so much, really. My, my great one. pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up the first interview. Come right back. We're going to have a second interview right here on voiceamerica.com on The Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.